<laughs> Listen, just keep one thing in mind. Keep your shit tight tonight because I'm doing the edit. And I don't want to do any fucking cuts. This oh, come on, straight man. One all the down to the other. You know, come on now. We can't get all right. So I can't say fuck a lot. No, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about shit out of order. And then that way he's got to move. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's a cut and paste. yeah, so let's make sure that we get off topic quite a bit. Fuck yeah, I'm calling, I'm calling Dustin right now. His vacation's <laughs> over. Hang on. <laughs> Presented by Memphis Shades, the clear choice for custom windshields and fairings for your motorcycle. And wild-ass seats, stay in the saddle longer and in total comfort, no matter your butt or budget. So welcome back, everybody, to the 5 Duty Bikers podcast. We are not five tonight. We are four. Dustin is on vacation, so if you guys miss Dustin, give him a shout-out. Tell him, have a great vacation, because we are going to miss Dustin tonight. So... Uh, yeah, are. so it's going to be the four of us tonight. Tony's back, Dave is back, Brittany's back, and we're all uh, we're all here doing our doing our thing with the podcast tonight. I am back, and I'll tell you what, I am not a good flyer at all. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not. Well, a good I mean, flyer. when your plane fills with smoke, it's got to be a little you bit know, concerning. It was, you know, when they come when they come off and they say we need everybody to exit the plane. Because we have a hydraulic problem with the plane and to bring your personal belongings. Bad day, dude. It's that not, gives it's, you the utmost confidence that you're it you're does, you know. A, a and we sat thing. there forever to try to get home. And then I was like, Are you not gonna field test this fucker or anything? You're just gonna <laughs> nope, go with you the get back in it. and we're good. There's there's nothing that instills confidence in your uh in your flight capability of your plane when you look out the window and there's somebody just beating on the motor with like a wrench. Dude, let me tell you what. <laughs> You're in a basically a toilet paper tube doing 500 miles an hour, 34,000 feet in the air. You know what I mean? It's There's a, nothing it's a, natural about this shit. It's a pressurized soda container. It is. It is. And everybody has that little COVID blower on them. That's what I nicknamed it when we were in there. That little COVID blower. Yeah, I was just like, you know. Recycling the same air. Yeah, and we're on, what is that, Allegiant? It's like the bleacher seats of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Have you ever have you ever seen that video where the the guy uh, he he's passing out snacks and when the plane takes off he dumps a box of snacks on the floor so they all slide the middle down the middle aisle and tells everybody to reach down and grab them. Right, that's they, about it. To yeah. the back of the plane. <laughs> yeah, it. On, the, on the way down there, the way to Savannah, we went to Savannah, Georgia for the weekend. On the way down, they were like, "Do you want something?" I was like, "My wife got it, like a a beer and I got a Coke and two bags of chip. It was twenty two dollars." Yeah, oh right. my gosh! Damn. Damn. Yeah, twenty-two bucks. Well, and and nineteen of that was your wife's drink. So yeah, yep. and the thing is, you're so tight in the seats, you can't eat or drink it because you can't move your arms. <laughs> so you know they fuck you either way on it. Hey, but, try being six foot three and and have like normal person arms instead of your little tyrannosaurus dude, let me, arms. We paid extra. <laughs> we paid extra for like the the exit row. Yeah. So we'd have a little bit more room, but those poor bastards that didn't. I mean, you can't even no nope. like lift your hand up. The seat's nope. so close to you. No, nope. 
Yeah, yeah was... I've I've been st- I've been stuck in a few of those seats where my knees my knees are touching the seat in front of me, and the person in front of me tries to do that recline the seat thing, and their seat doesn't move because I'm yeah. pushing into their back. Yeah, Percy flies. <laughs> <in a> fucking, <laughs> per- Percy gets on these planes that have like cubicles with right. beds and shit. Hey, right. dude, he, you know he gets, that, <laughs> he gets that executive service that where they he give does. him like a hot towel and massage, and he and lays down in the bed. He you wakes, get hot nuts. I get yeah, hot nuts. Hot, he, wake, he wakes up and somebody has changed his clothes for him and gave him a sponge bath while he's sleeping. Well, not me. It's the only way to fly, brother. It's the only way to fly. I was sitting on a goddamn bleacher seat. Yeah. You got all that pinched up cushion. in there. I'd, let, I'd challenge anybody, anybody to tell me that that cushion is going to save my life if I, if I go into the ocean. That's, Number one, dude. if you're having a conversation with me about flying over water and I'm flying over the Midwest, we're having the wrong fucking conversation. Yeah, you're not kidding. Now, there's also, some big lakes. There's some big ass lakes. Yeah, you can go yeah. down to one of the Great Lakes, I guess. But I mean, you know what else doesn't instill confidence when you get on is when there's ashtrays in the seat. <laughs> oh yeah, because that uh, fucking up plane the 80s. is 80s. old as fuck. The Brady Bunch flew to Hawaii on that bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> even even worse if there's still ashes in the trays. Dude, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> my parents my parents got divorced when I was like four years old, and I started flying back and forth when I was five. I remember when people could smoke on planes. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Dang. I mean, Dave yeah. probably remembers when the walls were still paper. I used to I used to do it. I mean, when we would when in my uh, army unit, when we would fly somewhere, we would all stand back in the back by the by the, the bathroom smoking, smoking up a storm, you know, yeah. messing around yeah. with the flight that's attendants. When, that's when people didn't know smoking killed you. I well, also did. We just didn't give a shit. Smoking it up. Remember <laughs> what he gave a shit in hospitals? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember that time too. Yeah, my the yeah. guy I got hit in the head with a golf club one time, and the guy that came in, he that, came in. That with answers that solves a lot of mysteries, right? There. I know, right? <laughs> that answers all your questions you ever needed. That sure know. does. <laughs> yeah, the, he put the, the cigarette. He put the cigarette on the edge of this counter while he was putting his stitches in my head. Mm, oh my nice. gosh! Really? Yeah, for sure. It was like in it was like 1982, something like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the first really surgery know, I had when I was in the something. when I was in the army, I it was a abdominal surgery, and right after I woke up, I grabbed my IV and I made my way down the hallway to the day room area where the TV was, and all the other guys were smoking up a storm. Man, yeah. <laughs> I sat out there for hours in the lobby in the hotel smoking, watching. TV. Yeah, no, it, it was healthy because they were probably smoking lights. They, they went from reds <laughs> to lights. Yeah, we so did Marlboro Reds and Marlboro Lights. That was you twice as much for the same amount of damage. Yeah. He had camel filterless, yeah. Because see, before they put filters on cigarettes, Paul Malls, yeah, they had (laughs) it actually had real tobacco. When they went to the filtered cigarettes, it was all like formaldehyde and and uh, dead animals. So (laughs) Percy was over there, Clint Eastwood, and rolling that shit up, rolling his own. He not was cigarettes drifter in that fucker not cigarettes uh, oh my, my god my grandpa used to roll uh rolls used to roll tobacco and corn leaves oh, that's nice. when he started smoking wow back in the day. Mm. i mean that was, that's probably pretty close to percy's time i mean not too far off <laughs> you guys just keep the shit up dude just keep it up, <laughs> keep so, it up so i don't know about you guys i don't know especially about ryan but man it was like 84 and sunny here all weekend did anybody yeah. ride oh. uh, you know See my I, arms. I, I tried to. Yep. I tried to actually get some riding in. I always. Oh, was Tony, your off. arms are bad. Wow, poor yeah. dude. Dude, that got dude, your tattoos and shit, man. On. I put that shit you gave me on. It. I, what was you it? Did? Horse semen because it didn't work. 
How did it burn you through that fur coat? (laughs) I don't know, dude. (laughs) Hang on, hang on. You put lotion on your body that Brittany gave you? (laughs) We were were riding, and, you know, uh, I was like, I didn't say it. Somebody said something about sunscreen, and I was like, I don't have any fucking sunscreen. You know what I mean? And then Brittany pulled it out. I was like, well, give me that fucking sunscreen since you have it. You know what I mean? It didn't work, though. Well, it, I mean, it worked fine for me. So that you mal- must yeah. have it sunscreen wrong. is like white paint because they're so they're so precious. They have to make sure that they're not injured at all. Maybe Jared has this special touch because he rubbed the sunscreen on my shoulders and they aren't burnt. Oh, Tony, you should have let well, Jared rub see, it all over the you. that's the problem. Because <laughs> Jared rub it on me. There's, there's the problem. You needed the magic fingers of the Jared. Yeah, I don't think I went up high enough. Yeah. Did you burn all the? Did your sleeves pull up on your shirt? Yeah. Well, I was. We were riding back on the expressway. We did like ninety something miles back on the expressway just to get home, and you know, my shit was blowing up and. <laughs> you, know. you, you you went with cutoffs, didn't you? You had your sleeveless on. No, man. I, I had my tank top on. You know what I mean? My American flag tank top. You know? American flag tank top? Yeah, hell yeah, man. America. So, America. How many so, miles did you do? At the end of the day, we did we, over I, 200. Yeah, I think Brittany, Brittany did 200 something. Me and Jay was a little over three, 300 getting back. Nice. We, we we had some we had some difficulties. We got separated. Then he ran out of gas, and <laughs> we had to find each other again. And yeah, it was it was it was a lot. It was a smooth ride down. Coming home, we got got a little complicated. Then so we had traffic. It's not surprising because we all stopped like on the way leaving Louisville. We said, "Does everyone need gas?" And all of us but Jay filled up with gas. Yeah, and he's and the then one. on the way he's Rookie like, move. "No, we move." We made it all the way to the destination, and then he was going to get gas leaving, and he must have got lost trying well, to wait, find but gas. Wait station. a second. That BMW of his measures all kinds of shit. Doesn't it measure how much gas he got in the tank? <laughs> he wasn't looking at it. He was yeah, looking at go. all the other stuff. And what is it? We went to this little place called Rabbit Hash, which is kind of it's down on the river almost in Cincinnati, and it's just a biker hangout. There's like two or three buildings. And the thing that sucks is once when you're down there, the closest gas after you get down there is almost 20 miles away. Yep. And he found he he was like, my light just came on when we were like heading down to it. Mm-hmm. So you know he had a good 30 miles he had to cover. Your head gas light on your on. bike doesn't mean jack shit if you don't have fuel in it. You ain't got no gas. <laughs> I know what's wrong with it. Ain't got no <laughs> gas in it. <laughs> So, so that brings me to uh, what I think would be a, a great topic of discussion for today. And it's not gas, and it's certainly not oil. But uh, and it's not Jared's should... magic fingers. No, not, <laughs> especially not Jared's magic fingers. And next time I see him, though, I am going to ask him to if he'll rub some some uh, sunscreen on me. He, 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 he needs to stay away from me, don't, Brittany. Yeah. Tell him I don't, I don't want him close. <laughs> so he'll probably so be. My... Go ahead. No, no, no. So, so really, my. What, what I think would be a great topic for us to talk about today is um, group rides. So, so we've all been involved in some group rides lately. And I think that there's definitely some things about group rides I don't think that people talk about enough. And some things about group rides that are just inherently, uh, you know, maybe just some things you should consider before uh, going on a group ride or being a part of a group ride. So that's a good See, uh, that's a good topic, dude. It is because I think actually I think. Ryan and Percy are probably more group ride savvy than I am. I haven't been on that many group rides. Uh, 
Did, did uh-huh. I say that? I mean, when I say group rides, I'm talking my we're usually four to six deep. Right. Right. Or, yeah, you guys are. You know, yeah, I think we Percy had, went on one this weekend. What we you're 25, yeah, 20, yeah. or about 20, 26, 27 yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Right. Is so, that common every weekend, Percy? Or maybe not every weekend, but like once a month or something? Uh, there's a group, uh, friends that ride, and, and there's a ride every weekend. Was Volts there? I don't go every weekend. No, we still, you know, Volts is, uh, you know, baby Volts is, I think, 10 months old this nah. month. So Volts is starting to come back out of the the baby hole. Well, I thought well, he would be yeah, out there yeah. with that new Pan Am he's got. Ten, mm-hmm. ten months old, that baby so should be old enough to hold a bottle. I mean, in you another think, month or so, that kid should be doing it all on its own. We are going to for out for dinner tomorrow night. We're Taco Tuesday, so oh nice. I like Very tacos. Nice. Yeah. I like tacos. So, how big is is your crew, Ryan, that you ride with? Um, so usually four to five, uh, is, is my crew size. Um, occasionally Mm -hmm. we, we, you know, kind of, it, it, it'll increase, but I think in my opinion, in my opinion, anything over three riders is going to get going to be considered a group ride, a group ride. That's that's my kind of opinion on, on that part, because three riders, you can really kind of still, you know, you can do more of the solo riding scenarios with three riders than you can with four or more. So I yeah. usually think I usually consider group ride cut off at three riders. That's that's me personally. Right. But like you ride. So like here lately, it, uh, we were talking to Brittany and Jared and I yep. and, and Phil. We've been you know, we, we, we've been riding quite a bit together. Right. And when you do that, you learn each other's how they ride you do you know yep. what i mean yep. so it makes it a lot easier on the group rides because you know where everybody's comfortable at and yep. you know what i mean you know if you're leading the pack you know how fast you need to go or how slow you need to go to make everybody comfortable or you know vice versa right so i think i think it's important to for for people to understand that your number one or number two rider should be your navigator right in, in yep. your group and that person's going to determine where you're going and everybody else is gonna is gonna follow uh, is gonna follow number one or number two. Um, if you're doing like a formal ride, I know usually your number your number two or number three riders end up being a blocker, and they will block traffic. Sometimes both two and three block traffic, and then they come back up to the top of the pack. But for our our group rides that we normally do, we don't employ a blocker or blocker kind of scenario. Um, but so that's typically that kind of scenario. We always ride in staggered formation, even when there's three of us. I think that's important to remember for most, yeah. most of your like safe riding positions is going to have a, a staggered positioning. And, you know, you, we always tell people you want to follow the rule of safe distancing in terms of where you feel safe. And we always tighten our formation when we get into higher traffic situations because we don't want cars pulling into our group. Yes, yes. We had a big, well, I mean, it wasn't a group ride, but we were riding back yesterday on the expressway. The two of us, we kept getting separated because we had too much distance and cars kept getting in. And then, you know, you get separated by one car. The next thing you know, you're hemmed in by goddamn Johnny Semi and, you know, the Prius in front of you and the <laughs> yeah. gap just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And the reason, and the reason why I, I tell people that too, even with two riders, you want to stay closer and two riders should be, if, if you're, if it's someone you're really familiar with, two riders should be good because you should be able to stay pretty tight with your formation. 
And with with that, it's you become more visible as two riders riding close together than one rider riding alone. And so, especially on an expressway, like Tony was saying, you're just more visible. So it's 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 a definitely a safety thing. The next thing you need to consider when you have multiple riders is that oftentimes, and think about this in your own terms of own riding, when you're riding solo, you're going to signal and move as a very close motion together, right? So oftentimes we signal, we look over our shoulder, we make sure there's no one there, and you're going to move. When you're riding in a group of riders, you want to make sure that you signal and give that signal a second or so before you look over your shoulder for traffic and before you move. The reason why is you want to give all of the riders behind you to activate their signals to indicate to the traffic behind you that that your group is moving. Um, otherwise, you're going to get yourself into a situation because you should file in and out of lanes <clears throat> in an accordion fashion. If you're on comms, many times what we do in a comm situation is we'll have we might say, okay, we need somebody to take the lane. So somebody towards the back or the middle of the pack, typically towards the back of the pack, is going to take the lane and hold traffic in that lane so the entire pack can move over to the lane. Um, that's, a, that's a way of keeping your pack together when you're in a little bit of heavier traffic situation. So those are some things to consider. I think another thing in your safety thing, do you have traffic out there in that no man's land of yours? You know, so <laughs> when I was thinking about this, yeah, I it's was like thinking, squirrels and raccoons and shit. Yeah. Getting <laughs> deer. Don't forget about the deer. Deer. We really, we really employ a lot more of these tactics when we're, when we're riding out of state, when we're, when we're on our trips, because you're right. They don't really apply a lot to when we're here at home. But when we're riding out of state, we definitely employ a lot more of those tactics in terms of how we position ourselves. But one of the things I was curious to know from from you, Dave, is that when you were riding in a group of 25 riders, I, I wanted to know, or 20 riders or whatever, did you employ a blocker? And then what did you do about lights in terms of uh, green to yellow, those kind of things? Um, what did you guys use in, in, in those processes? Yeah, well, I mean, yesterday we definitely employed blockers because we had so many, so many bikes. Now we we in this particular group I rode with yesterday, we we stick to the back country roads as much as possible, right? Uh, and then the blockers move up when we're at intersections. Um, so when the light turns green, they get into position until we all get through the intersection, uh, or at stop signs, they'll block traffic once we get there uh, until we all get through. So I, and I think, you know, when you're when you're running a group that big, you know, I would say when you're running a group, probably over 10, 12 bikes, you 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 have to you have to deploy blockers. Right. And right. so what how do you, you decide how many blockers to have? Well, we just had two. Like just to, yeah. to make. Sh OK, I typically didn't know if that was yeah, an issue two, to make sure that you're seeing what you're going to use. And now, the, the interesting thing with here too, uh, riding out like in the Maryland countryside is they they have a lot of. Uh, what do you call them? The traffic circles. Mm -hmm. Right. And people don't usually think about it, but you need to use a blocker in those situations as well. Yeah, you do to keep people from. Oh, definitely. Yeah, uh, from um, merging into traffic. Yeah. Yeah. So the one thing I was going to ask you, Dave, because this came up in our group and, and I, I, I had a little bit of a differing, differing opinion on how this was working. So um, and, and I'm not going to call out anybody because I don't want to do that, but I would like to discuss it because it was an interesting safety situation. We were riding in a group of five riders. We came up to 
an intersection and I'm going to set the stage for you guys. We came up to an intersection that was a lighted intersection, but it was near an off ramp to the interstate. Okay. So there was cars sitting at that light at the off ramp. So we were going to be driving past an off ramp to the interstate. And when our group reached the light, um, our number one rider went through a yellow light. Okay. So, so by the time I got to the light, it was already red. And I had decided as the number two rider that it was not going to be safe. There was people sitting at that intersection. If somebody had shot out, I might've gotten through, but I don't think the riders behind me had gotten through. Okay. And so I decided at that point that I, I use my emergency braking because we were going, I think the road we were traveling on was 45 or 50. I think 50, 50 was probably what it was. And um, I applied emergency braking. So I didn't skid and I stopped at the light but two riders behind me went through the light and another rider behind me did stop. Um, but he stopped, he panic stopped to my right side. Um, he actually ended up stopping, um, almost, uh, near the curb because he panic stopped and he, to his words, he, he, he couldn't get his foot off the brake because he had a, a, a bit of a panic moment and he didn't employ his emergency braking. So my question would be to the group in that scenario, it should not be now our number one rider was at the point of no return. He couldn't stop, but because I stopped and used my emergency braking, everybody behind me should have stopped, but they should have, in my opinion, they should have followed my lead because I was stopping. Everybody yep. behind me should have stopped. I would is agree that, with that. Is that the right, is that the correct assessment of that? Yeah. And you, you have to think about it too, because you've got, you've got vehicles all right, at the other points of that intersection. They're going to see you stop. And if you've got people behind you, they're going to keep going. That's that's a recipe for disaster. Well, that and what I thought was my my rationale for stopping was this. I, I said to my group that I was with, I said, think about it when we're at an intersection, when that light turns green, what do we all do? We crack the throttle and shoot through the light. Right. I said, what happens if one of those cars would have cracked their you know, yep. stepped on the accelerator as soon as their light turns green, some of my group would have been hit by cars, right? Yep. So that was my rationale. But I really wanted to bring that up because it was a safety issue. And again, I'm not calling anybody out. My my guys are good guys. We discussed it. We actually had a bit of a powwow afterwards and just discussed it from a safety standpoint, like maybe what we, sh just like a learning situation, like what we should have and could have done different. You know, one of the guys in my group was a little bit, he, he was really, he was shook up because he thought he was going to hit me from behind because he panicked a little bit. And so I talked it, we talked through what emergency braking is and how you employ emergency braking and your stopping power, your front brake and that kind of stuff. And um, one of the things I said to him was, I said, listen, I said, I understand you're shook up. I said, but I'm not. And, and you're the one that I'm on the one that almost got hit. I said, when you're riding your motorcycle, you need to have a short memory because these kind of things happen and you can't let that shake your your confidence or your ability to continue riding when something happens because we know that what we're doing is inherently dangerous. And so yeah. you want to be able to recover from that and continue your ride with, with a short memory. Does yeah, that make but sense? you also need to pull over and like empty the shit out of your pants. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Before yeah. you move forward. <laughs> well, well, for sure. And that's why we had we just had a conversation about it and, and said, you know, and, and I and I I was very clear with with the guys that I was riding with. I'm like, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm like, I told them why I made the decision I made. And I said, and you guys should have followed suit. 
Like for, for you to tell me that you couldn't stop at the light when you're behind me is false. I said, I stopped at the light. Yeah. I was in front of you and my bike didn't squeal to a stop, which means anybody behind me should have stopped without skidding or, or dropping their bike or doing whatever. Right. So it's coming in hot. But well, you know, this, this happens a lot. I mean, it's a great scenario. I, one of the first group rides I went, I actually probably the very first group ride I ever went on when I started riding again, uh, I was in a similar situation and the group ran the red light and we were going and there was a lot of traffic and I wasn't comfortable. I wasn't sure. comfortable. So I stopped. Right. And the guy behind me, the two people behind me got pissed at me because I stopped. And I'm like, those people can pull over. Right. You know, they, yeah. they, when yeah. they see us or they can slow down and we can catch up. But I'm not yeah. I'm not going to risk my life. Right. To go through a red light. Right. You know, I mean, we all have to you have to make that decision. You know, and you it's, don't want the safety of the group and safety of yourself, you know. Right. And that's kind of what I told them. As I said, I said, I, I looked at that traffic as a danger and I was trying to mitigate my risk to myself. Yep. And I decided I needed to stop that. Yep. That's, I that's think, kind of. I think decision. every member of a group needs to be thinking that way. I mean, if you're if you're riding anything other than like if you're not riding solo and you have anybody with you, you need to always be thinking that way in my mind because your decisions could impact the people behind you. Yep. Yeah. But you know, generally we, when we do our safety briefing and, and, and we, I mean, no matter where I, I mean, I don't even like if, if Volts and I are off and there's like five of us and we've got one new person, you know, right. riding or whatever, we always kind of go through, here's the rules of how we ride. But, um, we always go through what happens in those scenarios, right? If you get separated, uh, if there's a gap that forms and you look up and you can't find the, the you don't see the person behind you mm -hmm. and you're the last person in that line, pull over and mm -hmm. wait, right? So that you can yep. guide the other two up. Uh, we go over what to do if you get into a situation like that with at an intersection with a red light, you know, so, and, and how look, we're going to uh, handle it. Well, yeah. let me ask you this because I, I do it quite a bit because usually I'm, I'm, leading the group because i know where i'm going most of the time sometimes i usually have to argue with the people with the gps's because the gps wants to go the <laughs> wrong way but when you have comms on all right like everybody in our group has comms so you're in mm -hmm. you're in constant communication with each other mm -hmm. i i like point shit out as i go like if we're yep. going i'm like we have a real hard left corner coming up Yep. Or yes. we have gravel on the right, or there's yes. a pothole. You know what I mean? Yes. I try to call out as many hazards as we can, especially with the cornering, because you know a lot of our corners are blind. They're either up, yep. up, up on top of a hill or down of a hill, and they they sneak up on you pretty quick. So, is that something that you guys do, or am I just over? Nope. Yeah, I no. Over it's something it? I've noticed about you because we've ridden together quite a bit with you up front, and you always do yeah. a good job of that. Me. Uh, I don't. Volts, I think, kind of gets irritated with me sometimes because instead of saying that stuff, I'll just start screaming, fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> What's coming up? Yeah, yeah, that's maybe not the best method. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, having, obviously in the group we were with yesterday, you know, 20-something people, nobody's on comms. So, no, it's too many you know, people to have you're, on comms. Yeah. You have to deal with hand signals and everything else. But yeah, I think that's one of the You do a good job, comms. Tony. He does. I oh, try yeah. to. No, I'm, I'm not. I appreciate It's that. like we just talked about. You guys have had more group riding experience, and that's something that I'm terrible about. I was leading for part of the time yesterday, and I just drive around all the shit that's in the road and 
I know you, Tony and Jay reminded me, hey, let us know if you see a car or see something. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, duh. I don't know why I didn't. Because yeah. yeah. we, we, really, we were on like this one laner, mm -hmm. you know, with those right. no shoulders, you know, in the cliffs and shit. And we were like, if you see a car coming, let us know. You know what I mean? Because there's nowhere to go except like off yeah. the fucking cliff. Yeah, if you're on point, you've got to you have to yeah. communicate either over a comms unit or signals or or something. I think a, I think a more difficult situation even than that is uh, getting your riders to admit to a riding ability that yeah. they ride at. Yeah, and and what I mean by that is you should never bury your inexperienced riders in, in the back or the middle of a pack. Your inexperienced riders should always be towards the front. And, and when I say towards the front, if you have 20 riders, your number one is going to be your lead and your navigator, you know, or your number two, right? Number two and three are usually going to be blockers. That's where your inexperienced riders start is after your kind of first two or three riders. If you're in a big group, your inexperience needs to start there and your tail gunner should have, um, the know, know where you're going if you guys are going to a specific location. And um, your tail gunner should be a very experienced rider because if your whole pack were to divide in half, your tail yep. gunner is going to become your lead of your second group. Okay? And so that's how that... But but sometimes that's difficult because that's an ego thing, right? You need to, you need to be able to... That's that big um, dick energy. Well, it is because... <laughs> You it know is what I mean? You need to be able to ride with people that are going to be honest about their riding ability, and you get a group of guys together, and it's a lot of posturing and and dick measuring, and no one wants to say that they don't know how to ride. Yeah. And you know, well, that's and you, you, you have area. to have whoever the road captain is, whoever's heading the group, has to recognize that and do something. And we, you know, I saw this yesterday. the The gentleman that that organizes this group that I sometimes ride with is one of the best I've ever known. And he knows back roads and, and he's, he's amazing. Neville, you're, if you're listening, you're awesome. Aaron, Neville. Um, not Aaron Neville, but no. could be, he's but dead. not, could be. but not, he's dead. Yeah. And definitely is, is not. Aaron he's Neville dead. dead. He's dead. He died a long time ago. I no, he did. did yes, he? he did. Long time ago, Tony, like more than 10 years ago, dude, where, where have you been? Dude, I have, He's Early he's in stages. Kentucky. He does. He died. Know. He died before Dave Matthews dumped a bag of shit and a piss truck off of a bridge. <laughs> that was in Chicago. I remember that one. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> anyway, this Neville, who's still alive and uh, does an amazing job leading rides. Uh, yesterday, you know, we've been riding for about an hour and a half and got to the first stop, and and he had noticed things going on in our formation, and he he restacked the ride, and he pulled those people up front, uh, and Good we actually. Sorry, Tony, we actually had a couple of people with Can-Ams, right? And he made sure they were in the right position. Ho, 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 ho. Hey, 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 you know what? Beep, beep. Let's you know, back this up. <laughs> you know what? This, beep, is the, beep, this is the cool thing. Uh, one of the things Cut I love this about out. this. Cut this out, man. No, no. Fuck this podcast, I'm out. <laughs> one, of, one of the things I really love about this group is we've got a little of everything. You got Harleys, you got Cowies, you got you've got all kinds I'm of different. Hey man, I'm all and, about diversity on the motorcycle, but a Can Am is not a fucking motorcycle. Uh, but it's, still, it's not. It's but not. It, but you it's can not. still ride. You can the still. Motherfucker ride. has radial wheels on it. It's not a motorcycle. <laughs> but you can still ride. You can ride it. So anyway, I mean, I point, can ride my, in the back of a fucking pickup truck. Does that include <laughs> me into it? I, why did I bring up Can Ams? God damn it! I knew this was going to happen. 
but anyway, my point is having a strong, uh, you know, person in that leadership position that can recognize that as you're writing and, and then go back and just, and just have that frank discussion. And there was no argument. It was just like, this is what we're going to do. Right. And our, our tail gunner, the, the number two guy went through and was telling you're, you're one, you're two, you're three, you know, whatever, um, and called him out and everybody just fell in the line. Now, listen, if, if you're, if you're number one, is a Can Am rider? It's more likely that you're doing a parade he, of cars. He wasn't, and you are an actor. No, 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 our our, our road I, captain doesn't saying. ride a Can Am. Well, he does, but he didn't yesterday. That can't be so. a road captain can't ride a Can Am because that's not a motorcycle ride. It, it's I, I told I, I I'm completely on board now. However, my group is 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 uh, very parley heavy so we don't have as many you know we don't have as much diversity and i hope that we do someday i hope we can curate a ride like you're doing right now we we're five or six and and uh um typically and, and that's been that's been really great so the other thing um i think that's important to mention is that you may have situations that happen during your ride that you have to deal with and uh, i'll tell you what happened on our ride um we had decided that uh, if you guys are familiar with the Rever app, we use the Rever app sometimes to identify different areas in, in where you're at. Uh, Rever will highlight uh, specific roads or rides that are that are good rides in your area. So Rever had highlighted a, a, an area that we were going to ride around. So we were on this road, <clears throat> and it was a two lane road. It was painted, you know, had the lines painted and everything. And uh, we got an area that was fairly rural. Um, we were on a, a, a river road area, but we were kind of in farm country. There was some debris on the road that I, I didn't recognize. And as we were cutting into a pretty steep corner. Was it a turd? I, what's that? Was it a, was it a coon turd? It wasn't was a coon turd. And there was, was it no a dick, dick in the road? There was no was dick, it a dick in the road. Was it a dick in the road? <laughs> But what happened? What about was, a badge? Did you see one of those on there? Whoa! I've never you seen. Might slip I've on never that. seen a badge. Would, road, yeah. That would be slippery for sure. That would be slippery for sure. All right, so, we're gonna have to cut that out. That was so very what, inappropriate. So you what, said uh, dick in the road. Yeah, but, but this but goes dick, back to last. Dick in the road is a thing. It's been a thing for two years, and we have right. photographic because evidence. Because we have photographic hey, evidence, it was drawn in the back. road. Yeah, it could she's happen. Just, she's just an equal opportunity dick in the road, right? She's just bringing her spin. <laughs> Into exactly. It, right? Exactly. So, well, no, it's right, fair. It's all all's fair in dick and vagina. So, yeah. So oh anyway, <laughs> there was not Jesus, a dick. Cut that not, out, Percy. There was not. A, there was not a dick in the road. There was not a vag in the road or vagina, whatever you want to call it. Vajayj. I was However, trying to remember what that term was from the I, Virginia. I, yeah, I, 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 I dug a little deep into this corner, thinking it was sharper than I it bet was. You did. I did. I did. <laughs> so this is what happened. Uh, my front tire broke loose, and then what? my back tire broke loose. <clears throat> so your front tire broke loose first. Yeah, it did. Because mm. I think what happened was is that I I was into the you, corner, you hit and I think there was a, a a small layer of that sandy dust layer, and it was on top of. Um, the yellow stripe that was in the middle of the road. I told See, you. See, if that would happen to me, there would yeah. have been shit in the road because <laughs> I right. shit myself. Hold right on there. a second. Hold on a second. So yep. shit's coming. My 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 front tire broke loose. My back tire broke loose, and I put my leg down. I thought for sure I was going down, 
and I put my leg down so that I would push myself off my bike when it went down and that I would, my leg would not be under my bike when it went down. I thought for sure my bike was going down and I you wasn't going to be You went old, mo- old motocross style there. Oh, you know, I did. you know, I did. Yeah. So putting my leg down actually, actually gave me the leverage I needed to get it back to, to stay up. Uh, I tweaked my back a little bit because, you know, I have a fucking 900 pound bike and I put it, put my leg down, which was, you know, probably not the best decision I've ever made, but I kept the bike up and, uh, and I got back control of it. But that's, that's my example of where you need to have a short memory because we were in the middle of our ride. We had a whole bunch more corners to go around and I couldn't let that, you know, turn, turn me, turn that ride into something that was just going to be nothing but stress and and uncomfortable riding for the so let me ask you this were you were you a good member of a group and did you like kick your leg out to then warn them that there was shit in the road or did you just keep going no dude they they were close (laughs) enough behind me that the rider behind me saw it and everybody else they they, the other guys were were uh, um uh, they were a little bit uncomfortable with the speed and so they were further back going slower around the corners so i was i was going so you a were a bad faster. pace man is what you're saying <clears throat> he was no, he didn't, he didn't no, give a shit about warning the rest no. of the group we had our number one rider who was pacing the group and he was going where he was comfortable and we told everybody when we got in the corners ride what you're comfortable with if we get to a stop sign follow the road if we get to a stop sign we will stop and wait for the group to catch up right that was the rule that no but a, a good a good pace corners. man would keep everybody together at a comfortable pace you're not you're not wrong but i want what we said was there was six of us i wanted everybody to to have fun and ride their ride which is if somebody wanted to ride faster on the corners i wanted them to be able to ride faster right yeah. so our number one was riding faster i was riding at a, at what i was comfortable with and it turned until out that, that corner. I pushed a little hard on a corner, <laughs> and uh, you know it was a little bit much. Are and you so, sure that wasn't one of those fucking turtles that that Tony has out in his? Dude, let me tell you what. I think a snappers. turtle will take you straight out. Yeah, it will. It will. But this was not a. This was not a. It was there was some some debris in the road. But yeah, we did actually have a lot of corners where we were pointing out debris, and we and we employed both of those tactics like that Tony was talking about, either saying it over comms and sometimes throwing a leg out. So I, yeah. I don't know if you guys mentioned that, but throwing a leg out is another, another yeah. thing to employ. Yeah, those turtles, dude. That motherfucker will shoot out of your tire like fucking Super Mario Brothers. I mean, it'll take you down. Well, and we see it a lot in the upper Midwest, and I know we saw it when we were in you Kentucky. Got, you got big turtles? Ro- roadkill. Roadkill. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You oh, got to yeah. point out roadkill, especially when you're yeah. in a group ride. Because you, you you can't be running over that slippery, sloppery, yeah. you know, sticky. No, and it's really bullshit. great when you're in like traffic and you have to like stop next to it. Uh, oh yeah, and it, it, you you get the aroma, the waft Ugh. of the aroma off of it. It's bad, Ugh. dude. You got to mouth breathe through that. Oh, that's fuck that. Try to keep my mouth closed in no those situations. Shit. Hold your breath. Don't want a fly flying in there. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> Ugh. Not at all. So let us know um, in the comments to this podcast or or post up in our Discord. If you're not a part of our Discord, get your ass over there and join our Discord. What what you guys do maybe in some of your group rides that you've gone on and what, what size do you consider to be a group in, in terms of number of riders? Because I think that that might vary for, for people. And and let us know, like, what things do you guys do? You guys do a, um, you know, a, a, 
a safety briefing before every ride or, you know, what, what do you guys employ for your groups? Because I'll be honest, we don't do a safety briefing. We do not. And when every one of our rides anymore, I I felt like a slacker because that's something I, I, we don't, well, when you're, when you're dealing with 20 plus riders, well, no, I meant like a smaller, like a smaller group of four, four or five, something like that. You know what I mean? I've never done that. And I think that's a great idea. I mean, it gets everybody on the same page to know if something does go, Okay. Yeah, I mean, does, you know, if, if some no fuckery happen, you know, let people know. You know, we're riding staggered. We don't yeah. ride, you know, next to each other, and you know, just okay. So, Tony, let me let me tell you this because I think you've touched on this in the past. So, you don't do a safety briefing on a ride, but do do you check your bike before each ride, dude? <laughs> I, I'm I just can't asking, believe I'm you even asked question. me that Bef- question. Before and I'm after. Before Tony does. Before and after. Dude, when I, I go out on my bike, my shit is tight. Well, right. So when do you check your bike? I know when you check it, but tell everybody when you check your bike is. I check I check the big stuff as soon as I get back from the ride. Right. Because that's when you're, the clean, when you're cleaning your bike, right? That's when I'm cleaning my bike, and I'll, I'll check everything usually. Now, I don't check check tire pressure every time. I'll do that you know, probably once a month or something, I'll check sure. that. But, you know, I pretty much touch everything on the bike. Right. Because, because you, so, so just so everyone's clear, I knew the answer to this question already, but I wanted to put it out there. Tony does not check his bike before his ride, but because when he comes home after every ride, he's cleaning his whole bike, making sure his shit is tight for his next ride. And that's when he's checking all of his shit to make sure all of his parts are tight. Nothing is shaking loose. You know, his brake pedal's not going to fall off. His, yep. his, you know, his his uh, his clutch is, you know, his clutch is uh, is on. His, you know, his Memphis lights shades, are working. Lights are working. His Memphis shade shield isn't going to fly off and hit him in the yep. face. That's not going to do any damage, even if it did. But <laughs> you know, th- so so that that's the kind of thing you you have to do. That you're either going to check your bike before or after your ride, but you should be checking your bike. Yeah, so I admittedly need to get into that habit. It's something I want to be better at. Um, what things do you guys check for for me and other writers? What what like do you have a routine that you go through every time? I mean, just some of the basic stuff, like when I'm cleaning the bike. You know what I mean? I will check the lights, make sure all my lights are working. Uh, the other day, uh, I got home, and during the ride, Jay was complaining that my back brake lights weren't working properly and then when i got home when i wasn't on the bike they were working fine i then discovered that my seat was hitting my little uh custom dynamics uh whatever that thing they call you know where you can set the the blinking the stuff on it yep. so i i moved it what's that you know, called so Dave? my seat didn't touch it anymore the magic strobes Magic yeah, the strobe, magic strobe. Yeah. So my seat was in contact with the magic strobe, and it was throwing it off when I was sitting on it. So I moved it, and I, f- I fixed it. But, you know, I checked lights, and the, Guys, some of the- know, this is a this is a trick question. She's trying to lord it over us. Yeah. Everybody no, it's knows, not. I'm serious. Because everybody knows it's, you sh- it's T-Clock. I know yeah. it's T-Clock, right. but I'm going to tell but you. There's I- also some other stuff that I check, too, like the torque on my handlebar. Uh, that's my good. handlebar that's a good clamp. One. That's, that's a good because a good idea. I've had when I had the Bitwell bars, I more than once my bar slipped on me. Yep, yep. that's a great a idea. Brittany, I'm going to so, ask you this: When's the last time you checked your hand controls, the bolts on your hand controls, 
and your bolts on your mirrors. When's the last time you checked them? Because I guarantee you the bolts on your They're mirrors loose. are loose. They're loose the right The last now. time I checked those were when I installed my new handlebars. <laughs> I, gu- I guarantee you if you have not checked them since then or I you didn't did. put Loctite on them, they're loose. I, I can guarantee you they're Oh, loose. yeah, we Loctite pretty much everything that we put on. So I the- can tell you that the bracket that holds the handlebars on is tightened down properly because we just adjusted it. And I will tell you... Uh, shout out to um, Dean Speed because the knurling that they put on those handlebars is nothing to joke with. We had no, to like wrong. completely like loosen and move the bracket just to like get it to move in there. And yeah, adjust. the reason the reason why I say your hand controls though is uh, unless you've replaced them with metal, the the screw is going into th- something that's plastic, and mm-hmm. the uh, the Loctite isn't going to do shit on that. Dude, I'll tell you bolts that I found loose on all of my bikes that are the fucking cripple tree bolts. There you go. Really? Yes. Yep. If you go to the torque spec in the owner's manual and you you go to torque those, I guarantee you they're not fucking tight. The other thing you should be looking at is uh, a point of failure on every Harley Davidson unless you've replaced it. Linkage. Is that bullshit linkage that links linkage. your clutch to your to your uh you know your 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 clutch to your actual <laughs> clutch lever that no, is your, your your gear lever right yeah your You're gear lever yeah gear lever yep. yeah that, that thing that thing is a piece of shit that's a point of failure on every harley bike <laughs> i haven't had problems is, yet so I not guess only it's... is it a, not only is it a piece of shit but it's ugly it's just raw aluminum. Well, it's, ugly it's even a bigger piece of shit on the touring bikes, which absolutely yep. blows my mind. Right, yep. that it's worse yep. on the touring bikes. So but. you need to you need to make sure that you're checking those because that that is a documented point of failure. Replace so, yeah, that's, get, get right. something with a good what is it a Heinz joint they call it. I mean, yep. getting, you know, check it. Make sure yeah. that it's that it's those things are tight. That's a point of failure. So it is know. a good idea to check a lot of torque, and I mean, you know check it every fucking time you no know no for mean? sure not for sure not. but you know it's not a bad idea to go around and retorque your bike and, mm-hmm. and if, Brittany, if you ride and, a lot once a month or every six weeks or something and and what tony was trying to say too is that an experienced rider is going to tell you cleaning your bike should be a little bit systematic because you should be checking all of this stuff when you clean your bike i grab anything that moves and shake the piss out of it when i'm cleaning my bike to make sure that it's not loose. <laughs> It's a it's a hard habit he's been trying to break. So I will great. admit too. I shake the piss out of anything that <laughs> just goes around down there. <laughs> I will admit too that Jared likes to like tinker with the bikes and stuff a lot. So he, I've become very lax about checking stuff because he's like always checking stuff. I yeah. don't recommend that. I recommend that people actually check their own shit. Don't, don't trust but. anybody. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot anybody. of people out there that don't. I mean, they they ride the ball just the shit out of their bike. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. And they they ride it until unfortunately something fails. Because mm-hmm. what happens if Jared, when he was checking your shit, had lotion all over his hands? I know, right? <laughs> and, and hair. He would from never Tony. do that. He could have Tony uh, arm hair with lotion on his hands and get it. Never all over say your bike. never say never, Brittany. You don't know. You don't know what he Oh, I do. He hates the sunscreen that I use. He like he won't even use it. Yeah, but he you just said he applied the sunscreen to you. So that's how I hate, I hate sunscreen, sunscreen too. I'm not gonna lie. I hate using it. I, I don't but he, he does it begrudgingly. He was like, I'm going to have to go wash my hands now before I touch anything. I'm like, yeah. damn straight. Well, as, as you get older, you realize <laughs> if you don't use the sunscreen, you get the melanoma. 
That's, so he might as well. That's right. It's real. Well go ahead yeah. and use it. I, I hate I, I hate getting burned more than I hate sunscreen. So and I hate sunscreen a lot. So I just I just use it. Hey, I found that those uh, compression sleeves, those compression sleeves are the bomb.com. So I've been using those the last, last You know what? My uh my son, PJ, yeah. got he, his uh, his wife, my daughter-in-law, bought him a few sets of those, and we went out to South Dakota last year. Yeah. A year ago this week, by the way. Oh, nice. What are um, they? They're compression sleeves. sleeves, but they provide sunblock. And he said they mm -hmm. were really they were really awesome at help keeping his arms cool. Is they it, do. Well, I guess they're yeah. They, they, they yeah. When the wind blows on them, they keep your arm cool. And so, like, if you're you know what, so, I call bullshit on all that. No, stuff. dude. I've no, no, it's put, real. It's I'm real. telling I just you, one for thirteen hundred miles, and they're great. Not only that, yeah. Tony. But what when about you when you to, stop and you're setting it alight? Are listen, your arms on fire? No, because no, because cool. the, sun the sun is sun like you. warmer than the cloth. So like if the sun is baking your skin, you're gonna get way more hot than if you have something I call covering your I skin. Call it's and, real. Oh, yeah, you go listen. and ask anybody. Ask a farmer. Yeah. I, I mean, I used to be in agriculture, and those guys no that work anyway. outside it's all day, bullshit. they wear sleeves because listen, it. The the other thing too, Tony, is that listen to this. If you go. Why, why would I talk to you about going on a long ride? You're not going to go on a long ride. But he you know did. What? He well, did, he did 300 miles this weekend. You know what? Just because people don't go out ride. and handle. I didn't say an afternoon to go by. D d d yeah, to go no. Hey, hey did, I will did, have did, you did know, Ryan, we rode nine hours. It's not always the Bullshit. number of miles. You did not ride I nine hours. About you, know this. you were away yes, from your house did. for nine hours. Hey, Ryan, you didn't ride nine. You were not Ryan. in the heat for nine hours. Ryan, reach behind you. Stick the crank in your ass and reel your dick back in. Yeah. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, for this disruption in the podcast. Because Look, I actually thought about this big this dick weekend. energy right there, boy. Because you guys do. You give me and Tony a hard time. At, oh, 300 miles is nothing. We legitimately rode nine hours this weekend well straight. Hey, miles so, an hour. so we so let me it, let me i shouldn't say straight because we did stop Brittany, for an hour let me calm everybody uh, she down. got all riled up didn't let she? me calm everybody hey, down I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm defending and, and, tony this time let me ask a question to get us all back on an even you know keel and very very zen like <laughs> in our, in our over focus. there tap dancing on his dick though i mean <laughs> <laughs> so so we all went out we've all been riding a lot right in the last week yeah. hundreds of miles Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you guys put on your wild ass? Because I did. I did not. Do that. I did I made, not. Mistakes were made. Mistakes were made. Do you want to talk I about did that, not. Mr. Cox? I wanted to uh, test out the new seat without the wild ass first. Smart. Smart. I will say the seat is, is very comfortable, but if you are on the motorcycle for nine hours, your ass will hurt at some point, and mine okay. sure let's did. Not, let's I was, not bring up I the was, debate over nine hours, but we no. get the point. I was I was fine uh riding to our destination. I didn't have any pain whatsoever. The yeah. the ride home on the expressway about halfway is when is when it hit. And you guys know, man, once when something starts hurting, no matter what you do, it's not yep. going away. It's, it's, you're, it's yep. over. I had yeah, the same over. experience. I mean, I was fucking moving, rotating, side hipping. I mean everything, but it just, yeah. Once when it started, there's no relief. So yeah, I fucked up and I didn't take my my wild ass seat cushion with me. Yep, I you put mine up on. It took you nine hours to ride three hundred oh, miles. Oh, not within nine <laughs> oh, hours my again. God. 
So last, hey, our we, roads aren't straight like yours, Ryan. We have to zigzag through places. Hey, fuck! I can get three hundred miles of zigzags that faster than that. Nine hours—that's some <laughs> bullshit right there. So weekend before last, I rode to Pennsylvania, <laughs> three hundred miles. I did not put my wild ass seat on because I thought it's only three hundred miles. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Mistake. See? So fuck you, fuck you, and fuck right. you. <laughs> so, so yesterday, yesterday, three hundred miles. I put the wild ass on before I left and uh, night and day, absolutely night and day, you know, coming home at the end of the day. And that's when it really starts to get you right. That last hundred miles or whatever. Mm-hmm. I had no issue whatsoever. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's what happened to me. And you know, I, I've ridden it with it before and you know, came home feeling great. And I don't know why I didn't, I think it's because I wasn't, we weren't planning on doing that. You know what no, I mean? It just kind of happened. Spontaneous. So it was a very spontaneous ride. Hey, Tony, so, uh, don't, don't you, did you run those uh, leather pros on your bike yesterday? Yes, dude. So I you, don't take them off now. Yeah, I, I really you, don't. And, and you could have, uh, are both those bags full of shit already? Dude, oh I got goddamn go. fucking, I got clean first aid kits. I got goddamn <laughs> iced tea in the back. Yeah. I mean, I got there all kinds of shit. room for dude. a wild ass to sneak in there. Do what? I know. I don't know why I didn't put it in there. there. I should have put it in there. No, dude, those leather pros, at first I was going back and forth. I was like, man, the saddlebags are killing me. You know what I mean? I just didn't like the way they look. But it's like the fucking windshield. (laughs) I mean, once when you start start using them, them. it's like, oh, my God. You know, these are the best things ever. You know, I was working with that little handlebar bag that you could fit a fucking Kotex in, you know, and that was about (laughs) it, you know? Yeah, it's, well, it they, gives me great pleasure that you're enjoying them because that yes, you know, getting, no, getting rid great. of those bags was was hard for me, even though I couldn't have used them. But uh, they're great, man. I, I I really do. I I find myself just putting all kinds of shit in there now. It's like, oh, you, put shit in there. I had cameras and yeah, all kinds yeah. of shit. So a now you'd be moving up to a road cold, glide. right? Yeah. You yeah. Trade that in for a road glide and get some lockable bags, and you'll be in heaven. No. Man, well, those, he can get other lockable bags for years, though, too, right? Because it they should lock, work they'll, bags. Lock, they'll lock on the bike. You just can't lock the zippers. Yeah. But I, I don't like, you know. There's things I'm, I've put in my bags now that I don't even take out. I have like a rudimentary toolkit and my yep. rain gear that I never take out of, yeah. of my bags anymore at all. How they do you just, keep your rain in gear it. in your bag without losing the whole bag? Because you you got your rain gear must be huge, dude. You're a, you're a dude. giant. <laughs> I, I, it is. It is. It, it does take up a lot of room, but I roll it pretty tight, and I st- the the bag that it came in, I stuff it in that bag, and it's kind of a little bit of a a cinch sack. Now I'm, I'm actually thinking about investing in some cinch sack bags where you yeah. can even squish it smaller. I was going to hit REI. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Do you, now, do you have stretched bags on yours or your saddle? I, mine bags? does have stretch bags. Yeah. I've I've contemplated, to be honest with you, going to the standard bags because Don't do it's it. a, it's an aesthetic. It's a look. Uh, yeah, you know but that's me. a. You but know that's, me, but that's I, I still, gotta, I don't care what anybody says, that's a cool. lot of storage, man. As much as you travel, uh, you know, every be, square inch is, is just important, you know? You know, but every square inch, you know, there's got to be It's got to look big, cool. I'm with Ryan. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's just, there's, there's there's some big dick energy in the shorter bags. There is. There is. It's got to look cool. That's where yeah. I went with those, with those leather pros. I kept looking at them and I was like, do they look cool? And I was like, not really. But after but I started using them, man. and I got used to the, the, the look of them. They look a lot cooler once you use them, I did the same thing with Memphis Shades. I did the same thing with Memphis Shades. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did the same thing with the windshields. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? I wasn't a, a big fan of the windshields and these guys uh, talked me into, you know, to, to getting one off the, f- and within two rides, I was like, I'll never ride without a windshield again. Yeah. You know, I remember, I remember you saying when you rode your low rider S home, you, you were like, I got the shit beat out of me because I didn't have a, I didn't have a fairing on there. Yeah. This, I, you, I remember you, just you saying get that. used to it. Yeah. It, it, it makes, it does make a big difference. So, well, let's wrap up this group ride shit because, uh, you know, we had some conversations. So let me ask you, uh, I'm going to ask Dave first because you've, you've gone on, you've gone on, uh, some bigger group rides, some smaller group rides, you ride solo. Do you have a preference of how you prefer to ride? Percy Hall's ass. I've Within, I don't. I go really slow mm-hmm. and uh, steady. And no, your bike is gone. It depends on the. It depends on the context. You know what? I, what I found like since since Volts decided to have that baby without asking. Um, <laughs> I, I've I've learned to because bef- before you know when he and I traveled all the time, I, I really enjoyed you know traveling with somebody, you know, because we just we just really click. Um, but what I've learned uh, when I travel now is I, I really kind of enjoy being on my own, right, and riding solo. Mm-hmm. But there is nothing like riding with 20, 30 other people. There's, there is nothing like it. When you're on the back roads and, you're, and everybody is, you know, in, 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 the, in the right frame of mind and you, you all gel – and you look up and you see that stretch of bikes in front of you and that stretch behind you. And it's, there's, there's nothing like it in the world, man. See, I can't personally, I can't get comfortable in that situation because I'm always worried about the people in front of me. Well, like I said, you have to all be, you know, yeah, you have to gel with the people you ride. Yeah. Those big group rides, they, they make me nervous if I'm in the middle or in the back, because I have to worry about what's going to happen in front of me. Because if somebody goes down, uh, it's usually just not one person. You know what I mean? It, there's going to be a, a few yep. people involved in it. No, I get that. So I, I'm I'm with Tony. Group, but it group, is powerful group, though. Yeah, group group ride. I, I agree with that sentiment for sure. Group rides stress me the fuck out. Like a yeah. big group ride, I just I I can't relax. My shoulders get tight. I, I, a huge group ride is 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 extraordinarily stressful for me. Um, I like the smaller groups. The you know three to six riders. Something like that in that in that range, I, I really enjoy that. And part of the reason why I enjoy that is is it's a shared experience. So you can you you always have something to talk about with those people because you shared an experience, you shared a time on your bike. But I would say this, and 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 I know that uh, Percy and I have talked about this, especially if you're the kind of person that likes to ride long miles on your bike. I highly, highly, highly suggest anybody that owns a motorcycle to take a trip, a road trip solo, yep. you know, a multi-day, even if it's just an overnight or a two-day trip, take a road trip all by yourself where there's no one to tell you when to stop, when to piss, when to fill up gas, what to look at, where to take pictures, anything. I highly suggest that kind of ride because it is, you learn a lot about yourself as a rider. You might learn a lot about yourself as a person. But it is so, but really, really fun to do that. So, like your situation, though, is a little different. Uh, and I'm just, I, I, I'm just asking because I'm not 100 percent sure. But yep. when you break out of your house, yep. you really don't see any traffic for a while, do you? 
well, you're just on like open road doing 80, 90 miles an hour, just you and your thoughts. I right? mean, there, there, there's some of that that can be had, but for the most part, I'm only about three blocks either from the interstate or highway, either direction I go. And we do have traffic, but not like you're going to find in a large city. No, I mean, I, I can travel to the next largest city, which is 80 miles away from me. And, you know, 10 to 20 cars might be all that I encounter on the road that I'm on. Um, it could be more than that, but not like traffic, not bumper to bumper, not getting stopped. No, that's so, just yeah, not a, you know, we had the expressway and it's like fucking Frogger. No, it can yeah, be like that, here, but it's really, yeah, it, it can be like that here, but it's really not. I mean, really for us, the interstate around here is just to get someplace really fast. Yeah. But I, I mean, mean what, what I was saying though, is you're talking about riding by yourself, but you can go yeah. out there really on those highways that you're talking about and just settle in. Yes. At like 85 for and get, sure. And get into that, that space, yep. that head space, you know yep. what I mean? All, all day long. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in, in fact, I last summer, and I think I said this when I made that solo trip down to see Dustin, the majority of that ride, that's exactly where I was. I'd get, I'd get off and get gas, get back on the road. And within 10 to 15 minutes, it was like I was by myself in the middle of nowhere. But I and, think what, uh, what Ryan's talking about though, really comes into play, not in those situations. It's when you're in the other situations where you're having to deal with maybe detours or traffic pain. or just you're, you're just getting pain right somewhere Tired. and yeah. knowing that, you know, yeah, I stopped 30 minutes ago, but I'm just going to take a break for five minutes just to yep. stretch my back and not have to worry about, oh, what's the people I'm with? What are they going to think? Or I'm going to impose on them, right? Which yep. just builds your anxiety. Yeah. See, yep. that's what's different it's between a, me and everybody else because I could give zero fucks what everybody else thinks <laughs> about me. <laughs> but I will me, stop in a me, minute. Let me give you a like, different take on the group ride thing, though, because I understand completely where you guys are coming from and why you get nervous. But here's, here's my counterpoint to that. If you're in a group, big group you're riding, and you've got six, seven, eight people in front of you, right? They're leading the way through curves, through, through everything. Yeah. Right. So you've got them to help be your guideline through things. So for me, I actually find that a de-stressor, hmm. right? Because I know if something, if, if there's something hinky going on up there, I'm going to see it way before I get to it. Way before you get to it. Yeah. You know, that's, so that's just true. a, just a counterpoint. No, you're, you're no, not. I agree no. with you. You're not you're not wrong with that with that the idea of that, but I mean to to your point, Dave, when you were talking about when things get difficult, that's one of the things I experienced with my trip down to see Dustin last summer. Is that I ran into a point where um, I was overheating. I, I was I was I, I couldn't regulate my body temperature anymore. My bike was hot. I was extraordinarily hot, and I just I couldn't regulate my body temperature. And I stopped at a gas station and about two liters of water. One liter of water I drank before I even left the gas station. The other liter of water I dumped on me. So by the time I left there, my entire shirt was soaked. The front of my pants were soaked. looked like I pissed myself. Um, <laughs> my hair was completely wet. I dumped water in the inside of my helmet. I mean, everything, right? I was no more than 30 minutes down the road, and I was completely dry. Everything was dried. I mean, that's how hot it was. And so, um, but, but I had put water in a water bottle in my... Um, in my bar bag that I would take out and I put it right in the nape of my neck and squirted it. And so it would soak the front of my shirt, which kind of acted like an air conditioner as I was going down the right. road. But I needed that extra time at that gas station because I could not figure out how to regulate my body temperature. I was just too hot. 
Once when you get overheated, man, it's like when something starts hurting. Yep. There's no because I work out in the heat. You know, that's my job in the summer. And uh, dude, once when you get hot, there's it's hard to recover from. Yep. For sure. For sure. But yeah, dude, that was fuck, dude. That was a good podcast. Yeah, yeah. Good topic. Good, good yeah. chat. Look at Ryan. He pulls those goddamn Dan Rather over there. <laughs> pulls those things out of his ass every now and again. Do All right, guys. Any- well, thank you. Thank you again oh. for joining us at the Five Dirty Bikers podcast. Remember to go to the to our website, www.fivedirtybikers.com. Peck, check out some merch. Join our Discord. Join our Patreon if you want to support what we're doing. That'll put some money towards that uh, charity bike build that we have coming up that we're going to be giving money towards Taka. Um, you know, maybe within the next two or three weeks, we might have a pretty significant announcement for FDB, but uh, we don't right now. But look forward to that. And uh, as always, riders, keep it dirty. Keep it dirty. Buy some merch. Buy merch. And join the Discord. It's, it's free. free. It's it's <laughs> fucking free. <laughs> this is the longest outro ever. Yeah. Later. Later. Bye. <laughs> Bye. No, no, you hang up. <laughs> Are you following the Five Dirty Bikers on social media? Find us on Facebook and look us up on Instagram and TikTok at Five Dirty Bikers.